This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmanger, and welcome to episode 31 of Keep the Faith, my weekly podcast in which we explore contemporary issues through the prism of Jewish law and tradition. COVID-19 cases are spiking all around the country, setting records in too many places. Deaths here in the United States are nearing 230,000. Canada has had over 10,000 deaths recorded, and there have been nearly 1.2 million deaths worldwide. But what worries me even more is that something else is spreading almost as fast. Sadly, with the active help of President Trump and some of his top political advisors, and that something will end up causing even more deaths and much long-term suffering for many of those who survive the disease. That something is fake science. And so the topic this week is Donald Trump, a dangerous declaration, and Jewish law. Here are four things to keep in mind as we go forward. The first three are herd immunity, the Great Barrington Declaration, and mass murder. The fourth thing is the most important from our perspective, what Jewish law has to say about the other three. Keeping these four things in mind, especially the fourth one, is most important for those of you in the United States who haven't yet voted or who remain undecided about how to vote. We'll get to that towards the end of this podcast. This isn't meant as a political podcast, though. It's more of a warning about whom to listen to and whom to ignore in the weeks and months ahead if we're all to remain safe and if we're going to protect everyone around us. And my apologies to those of you who may have read my column in today's Jewish Standard, which in essence is an abbreviated version of this podcast. This is much too important a message to not disseminate as widely as possible. The first three items I mentioned, herd immunity, the Great Barrington Declaration, and mass murder actually go hand in hand, as I'll explain in a few minutes. President Trump is so taken by the false science implicit in herd immunity and the Barrington Declaration that he attacks anyone who disagrees with it. During a campaign call the day after Dr. Anthony Fauci appeared on the CBS News program 60 Minutes on October 18, for example, Trump said, quote, this guy is a disaster, unquote, adding, quote, people are tired of hearing Fauci and all these idiots, unquote. Fauci, as I assume everyone knows, is the director of the American National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, a post he's held since 1984. He's also the leading member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force. That, I guess, makes him the chief idiot in Trump's eyes. Even worse, the president's been going around the country these last couple of weeks saying that the health experts and the media are basically making it all up. He tweeted this message on Wednesday, quote, COVID, COVID, COVID is the unified chant of the fake news mainstream media, which of course relies on the health experts he calls idiots. And he added this, quote, they will talk about nothing else until November 4th, when the election will be hopefully over. Then the talk will be how low the death rate is. Plenty of hospital rooms and many tests of young people, unquote. How low the death rate is, really? We're nearing 230,000 deaths here in the United States. The numbers are climbing in some places at record rates. And he's either telling us the numbers are made up or that 230,000 dead Americans isn't so bad after all. Trump's war with the health experts goes almost all the way back to the beginning of the pandemic. 
This week, the media has been reporting on an audio recording made last April on which Trump's son-in-law and senior advisor, Jared Kushner, boasted about how Trump took control back from the doctors and scientists advising him on COVID-19. Trump, Kushner said, was, quote, getting the country back from the doctors, unquote. He also said on that recording, quote, Trump's now back in charge. It's not the doctors, unquote. Kushner's comments came at a time when there were already more than 40,000 Americans who had died from COVID-19. We're now 190,000 deaths beyond that. So that tells us what Trump's getting the country back from the doctors really means. The problem, of course, is that Trump always puts himself before anyone or anything else. He began 2020 thinking he was a shoo-in for re-election because of our booming economy, or at least what he called our booming economy. Then the coronavirus pandemic hit, lockdowns began, and the booming economy rug was pulled out from under him pretty quickly. Trump needed the country to open up again and to open up quickly, no matter what his own health professionals were saying and warning. That's why he embraces fake science while mocking and belittling real science and the people who espouse it, including Fauci and other members of the White House Corona Task Force, the people he calls idiots. He's so blinded by the false science that he's oblivious to what even a real idiot should be able to see. Just one week ago, last Friday and Saturday, the United States set a new record with nearly 84,000 new cases of COVID-19 reported each of the two days, far surpassing the previous record of 77,363 cases that was reached on July 16th. There also were more than 1,800 deaths attributed to COVID-19 over those two days, pushing the death toll at the time to over the 225,000 mark. By last Friday as well, the country's seven-day average of new daily cases exceeded 63,000. That's an 84% increase since cases began to rise in mid-September. Here's another frightening statistic. Between October 20th and October 27th, just under a half million new cases were reported. As of today, at least 229,000 Americans have died from COVID-19. That's 4,000 deaths just between Sunday and today. Even someone who really is an idiot should be able to understand what those numbers are telling us. Virtually every health professional and infectious disease expert looks at these statistics and says the worst is yet to come. Megan Ranney is an emergency medicine physician at Brown University. She told the Business Insider website, quote, I think that the number of deaths that we're going to experience this fall and winter is going to dwarf what we've already been through, unquote. Fauci was interviewed by the BBC on Friday as the July COVID-19 record was being shattered. The United States, he said, is, quote, actually going in the wrong direction. The data speak for themselves, unquote. That data, according to Michael Osterhelm, director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota, shows that, quote, the deaths are going to go up 
precipitously in the next three to four weeks, unquote. The death toll, however, is likely to keep going up long beyond the next few weeks. A study by researchers at the University of Washington's Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, coincidentally published last Friday in the journal Nature Medicine, projects that the death toll may exceed 500,000 Americans by February, with the potential for being double that by then if mask wearing and social distancing regulations are relaxed, meaning that we could see over a million deaths by February if Trump and company get their way. Despite all the evidence to the contrary, including an outbreak of COVID-19 cases in and around the White House itself, including, as of this writing, five members of Vice President Mike Pence's staff, Trump says that the threat COVID-19 poses is, quote, going away, unquote. The country, he said last Saturday, is, quote, rounding the turn. Our numbers are incredible, unquote. The numbers are incredible, but only for what it says about Trump and his handling of the pandemic. How he's handling the pandemic brings us to herd immunity and the Great Barrington Declaration. Scott Atlas is the newest and most controversial member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force and the only one Trump trusts because he's an outspoken advocate of the fake science. He's a neuroradiologist, and he has absolutely no experience whatever in epidemiology. According to Atlas, the Barrington Declaration, quote, matches the policy of the president and is what I have advised, unquote. Trump himself has said as much. On a recent campaign stop, he said the more the disease spreads, quote, it's going to be herd developed, and that's going to happen, unquote. The only thing great about the Great Barrington Declaration is its name. It's called that because it was drafted in early October at the American Institute for Economic Research in Great Barrington, Massachusetts. In the past, the Institute has published studies supporting the benefits of sweatshops to the economy and minimizing the risks posed by climate change. The Declaration is a one-page statement that proposes what it calls a focused protection approach to battling the pandemic. Here's some of what it says. Quote, As immunity builds in the population, the risk of infection to all, including the vulnerable, falls. We know that all populations will eventually reach herd immunity, i.e., the point at which the rate of new infections is stable, unquote. Then it says this, quote, The most compassionate approach balances the risks and benefits of reaching herd immunity, which is to allow those who are at minimal risk of death to live their lives normally to build up immunity to the virus through natural infection, while better protecting those who are at higher risk. Unquote. Put another way, the Declaration's proposal is most compassionate in its words because it's designed to let as many people as possible contract the disease. In saying that, by the way, it totally disregards the long term consequences of COVID 19 to the health of people who have survived it. According to the Mayo Clinic, COVID 19 can cause 
quote, lasting damage to the heart muscle, even in people who experienced only mild COVID-19 symptoms, unquote. There can also be long-term damage to the lungs and the brain. Quote, even in young people, COVID-19 can cause strokes, seizures, and other conditions. It may also increase the risk of developing Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's disease, unquote. Also, says the Mayo Clinic, COVID-19 can make blood cells more likely to clump up and form clots. And it warns that, quote, many long-term COVID-19 effects are still unknown, unquote. In its most compassionate approach, as it puts it, the declaration advocates fully opening schools and universities for in-person teaching, despite the fact that there have been over 214,000 cases reported in universities alone since last February, including 85 deaths. The Declaration also advocates fully reopening restaurants and other businesses, as well as all cultural activities, from sporting events to musical concerts to museum exhibitions. As for people who are in high-risk categories, they're free to mingle with the rest of us, quote, if they wish, while society as a whole enjoys the protection conferred upon the vulnerable by those who have built up herd immunity, unquote. That's what the Declaration says. Fauci calls it nonsense. Quote, This idea that we have the power to protect the vulnerable is total nonsense because history has shown that that's not the case. And if you talk to anybody who has any experience in epidemiology and infectious diseases, they will tell you that that is risky and you'll wind up with many more infections of vulnerable people, which will lead to hospitalizations and deaths. So I think that we just got to look that square in the eye and say, it's nonsense, unquote. According to Dr. Tom Frieden, who is the director of the Centers for Disease Control in the Obama administration, quote, we have exploding case counts. Death rates will undoubtedly rise. They, meaning Trump and his political advisors, are living in a parallel universe that bears no relation to the reality that Americans are living. And this idea that we should let it spread and protect the vulnerable is a really dangerous mistake. It ignores reality, unquote. William Hazeltine, who founded Harvard University's Cancer and HIV-AIDS Research Departments, didn't mince any words in his assessment. As he told CNN, herd immunity is another word for mass murder. If you allow this virus to spread, we're looking at 2 to 6 million Americans dead, not just this year, but every year, unquote. The numbers support these opinions. A Stanford University epidemiologist, Ivan Maldonado, noted that 40% of Americans have an elevated risk of dying from COVID-19. That's 131.3 million Americans who have an elevated risk of dying from COVID-19. Adopting the declaration's proposals, she said, would require keeping that 40% of the population away from the 60% of Americans who have a lower risk of dying from COVID-19. In other words, keeping 131.3 million Americans away from the other 209 million Americans. It's just not possible. 
The Great Barrington Declaration is deliberately short on specifics in its words, quote, in order to make it more publicly appealing and accessible, unquote. For example, it says nothing about whom to protect or how to protect them. It says nothing about wearing masks or social distancing or contract tracing. And it says nothing about testing outside of nursing homes. Why test, after all, when the whole idea is for people to get sick? Mask wearing, something Trump has no use for, and not even when he was infected by the virus, has been especially associated with reduced risk of infections. One study published in the journal Health Affairs, for example, showed that, quote, states mandating the use of face masks in public had a greater decline in daily COVID-19 growth rates after issuing these mandates compared with states that did not issue mandates, unquote. Universal mask use could save nearly 125,000 lives through the end of February, while about 96,000 lives would be saved if only 85% of the population wore masks. Simply stated, the more face masks are in use, the fewer infections there will be, meaning the fewer deaths there will be. Trump clearly doesn't care about any of that. He cares only about what the fake science in the Great Barrington Declaration and in the things his non-expert Scott Atlas tells him, and people are paying for it with their lives at a rough average rate of 1,000 people a day. If you think Trump really does care, and he's only saying these things because that's what his radically conservative base wants to hear him say, here's something else to think about. Trump's mass rallies may be directly responsible for some of the uptick in COVID cases that we're seeing. I'm quoting now from an article that was published last Friday in the newspaper USA Today. Quote, as President Trump jetted across the country holding campaign rallies during the past two months, he didn't just defy state orders and federal health guidelines. He left a trail of coronavirus outbreaks in his wake. The president has participated in nearly three dozen rallies since mid-August, all but two at airport hangars. A USA Today analysis shows COVID-19 cases grew at a faster rate than before after at least five counties had rallies from Trump. Together, those counties saw 1,500 more new cases in the two weeks following Trump's rallies than the two weeks before. He stopped first in Minnesota, where Blue Earth County's coronavirus growth rate was 15% before Trump's rally, but grew to 25% afterward. Three days later, he was in Lackawanna County, Pennsylvania, where the coronavirus rate jumped from less than 3% before his visit to more than 7% afterward. There's a lot more in that article, but you get the point. The early 20th century had its typhoid marry but she only affected 53 people, and only three of them died. Now, the early 21st century has its coronavirus Donald, and he has a lot more infections and a lot more deaths on his head than Mary Mallon ever had. They kept typhoid Mary in isolation for more than three decades. Coronavirus Donald, on the other hand, gets to fly around the country and hold mass rallies, usually in violation of local coronavirus rules and regulations. The man who brags about being the greatest law and order president ever also brags during campaign stops and on Twitter about how he's proudly 
defying the law and holding his rallies. Trump doesn't care about how many people become infected or die. But Jewish law does care. And so should we. Jewish law is very specific about what needs to be done. As you've heard me say often on these podcasts, concern for life takes precedence over 99.5% of the Torah's 613 commandments, and it certainly takes precedence over decrees created by our sages of blessed memory and the rabbis who followed them over the last two millennia. The Talmud is very clear about that. It's also very clear about why that is. As the Talmud says, the Torah requires us to, quote, live by God's laws, not die by them, unquote. That includes doing anything we can do to save a life, because in the words of Leviticus chapter 19, verse 16, we, quote, must not stand idly by, unquote, when another person's life is in danger. In a tape message two weeks ago, Rabbi Baruch Meyer Yaakov Shochet, the leader of a small Hasidic sect in Israel who himself recovered from COVID-19, minced no words in his defense of mask wearing and social distancing, something he's advocated from the start of the pandemic. People who refused to follow the rules, he said, showed, quote, contempt for the lives of others. For God's sake, we cannot bend any of the rules under any circumstances. This is not child's play. It's life and death and the essence of Jewish law. Can it be that some people have forgotten the simple laws of pikuach nefesh, danger to life, which is the basis of Judaism, he said? We must do it. This is the will of God, and we should be happy for the opportunity we've been given to protect human life, unquote. The notion of herd immunity as proposed by the Great Barrington Declaration and as supported by President Trump and his non-expert Scott Atlas will lead to many more deaths if it becomes U.S. policy. And it will become policy if it's not already there, if Trump is re-elected. Voters who cast their ballots for Trump or who refrain from voting for either Trump or former Vice President Joe Biden, therefore, are complicit in causing those deaths because they're violating the Torah's command not to stand idly by when someone's life is in danger. Wherever you stand on the political spectrum, voting for Joe Biden is saving lives. Voting for Trump is taking them. As that Hasidic Rebbe I quoted a moment ago said about following the COVID rules, so I say here, this election is about life and death and the essence of Jewish law. This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmeyer. I hope you come back for my next podcast, and I'd like to hear what you have to say about this or my other podcasts. Go to www.shammai.org and email me, please. Shabbat Shalom. Stay healthy. Don't forget to vote if you haven't done so already. And stay safe.